0: Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special
1: hello to our number one and only fan. I heard the virgins would once again be attracted to black flame candles. Were virgins attracted to black flame candles at some point? Well, in one instance, they were. Okay, dude, oh. have you never seen the movie Hocus Pocus? Oh! <laughs> Apparently not recently enough to remember all the shit it's not all that deep of a cut <laughs> or obscure of a reference Whoa.
0: sorry i just exposed how non-pop culture-y i am <laughs> i have seen it i thought
1: so i've seen it a few times apparently it did not cast a spell on you
0: <laughs> <laughs> it made quite the impression you can tell no, last time I watched it, I watched it with my kid, and uh, he was, like, nine or something. Oh. And I was, like, embarrassed I put it on with him. Oh. <laughs> I did one of those, like, oh, I forgot how much sex stuff is in this.
1: <laughs> I want to be excited that they're coming out with a second one. That That's how I feel about it. I want to be excited. Well. I am excited that they are bringing back the original witches. So yay! At least that's what I think is happening. At least you want to be excited. I want to. I am just so dubious with. <laughs> it's not a remake, but like pulling from previous sources, I guess. Like trying to re inject life into a franchise, kind of, or make a franchise, or because it wasn't. It was like one perfect, beautiful movie. And they can't leave it alone.
0: Do we have to bludgeon every single IP to death?
1: Yes. <laughs> like, if that's you're... my issue with these things. <laughs> the thing is, is that that is Disney's M.O. <laughs> oh, we made it once. We own the rights to it. They love it. Let's make it again. 50 times. Until they don't love it anymore. And then we'll just, you know, we'll put it in the vault, so to speak, for a while. <laughs> and then... Until
0: it's classic. Yeah,
1: or... <laughs> Basically until the kids are, you know, having their own kids because they're older, then we'll bring it out and like, oh, look, nostalgia.
0: Except for that one racist one. That one can stay in the vault. (laughs) (laughs) They'd rather prefer, they would prefer that one disappeared. Yes. I
1: mean, there's lots of gently offensive stuff, but yeah, that's pretty fucking blatant.
0: I mean, they got a lot of racist stuff, honestly, but that one is just especially, they're especially ashamed of that one. Yes, yes. Today, we'll be discussing Wicked and the Wallflower by Sarah McLean. After an accident has left her mildly ruined, Lady Felicity Faircloth's prospects for marrying for money and status are devastated. She's so desperate to get back into society's good graces, she'll make a deal with a charming devil who assures her he can grant her wish. But can she trust his motivations? Will he trust that she knows her own mind? And what will happen when Felicity decides she prefers the devil she knows? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for threats of rape and past child abuse.
1: Well, Erica, how does Lady Felicity (laughs) fare? call? I didn't
0: do anything! I didn't do anything! I I know, it was just like this really pregnant pause.
1: (laughs) I was going to be good. That was my goal. Sorry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm not good. <laughs> Bad you. All right, it's all good. Go ahead. <laughs> Are we sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
1: Well, how does Lady Felicity Faircloth get mildly ruined? Like, what's that situation? Because, of course, that's what sets the stage.
0: This story takes place during a uh, Regency era England. So, as we know, ruination is a thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's not a good thing. Mm -mm. Poor Felicity has just been thrown at a variety of marriage prospects (laughs) that she does not find palatable in the least. And at this point, she is a 27-year-old spinster. Well, she sees herself as a spinster, but her mom and brother are like, no, no, you still can get married. It's fine. (laughs) I think the biggest thing... As far as she knows that caused her mild ruination is last season she was one of several other women vying for a duke's hand. He was getting divorced, supposedly, and they were all trying to be his second wife. And at some point she was discovered in his bedroom. Oops. Everyone was clothed. It was okay. (laughs) Nothing happened. Ish. Except that the Duke confessed how much he loved his wife and wasn't going to divorce her after all. (laughs) Felicity's perception of what marriage could be kind of shifted in that moment too. Mm. Because she saw what it's like to have someone want you and love you in that way. I don't think she realized that was necessarily something she could hope for until that moment even though her brother has a love match. But he's a boy, so it's allowed.
1: Yes. I think it's important to point out, like, her her
0: brother didn't marry for wealth. No, he, ma- he married for love. Yeah, so... But they really want Felicity to marry for wealth. Yeah, that puts additional <laughs> pressure on her, lucky girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. So now there's another duke. The hermit duke of Marwick, who has recently come out of hiding, has entered society proclaiming he wants a wife and an heir. I mean, presumably the wife comes first and then the heir comes like nine plus months after. But at any rate, she, of course, has to go to this ball to try to catch this duke, try to lock this duke down. <laughs> She's not sure why her brother and and mother want her to lock down a duke so badly, but she's gonna do it, I guess.
1: She's gonna do her duty for her family. (laughs) I mean, that's her mindset. At least that's how I interpreted it.
0: Yeah, I I think it's kind of... I mean, you learn why her parents and her brother are, like, throwing her at these rich dudes later in the story. But at this point in the story, it's like she's given up. She's like, no, I'm not going to catch a duke. No one wants me. I've been ousted from my friend group of popular people. My life sucks. Why am I even bothering? That's her headspace. Yeah. She goes out onto, I don't know, a balcony or she goes outside (laughs) to catch some air. To take a break from cruel societal games. Doesn't she use a lock picking
1: kit to get out? Oh yeah, yeah. She has her own sneaky methods for moving around. I love that. You're not going to keep me out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she has this thing for uh, unlocking locks. (laughs) She sees a lock as, as a beginning, I think is what she says. You're right. I think she unlocks a door. That she wasn't meant to unlock. To go outside to get some air. And while she's in the dark. She discovers she's not alone. (laughs) Oh no. There is somebody skulking about in the dark. (laughs) It's a man. He stays in the dark. So she doesn't really see him at all. He can't really see her very well. But they have really good banter. Basically. Why are you here? Well why are you here? No I asked you (laughs) first. He gets out of her probably more truth than she intended to say because he's charming yeah and he's entranced by her like at the very beginning of the story i think he's just into her because he likes that she'll say whatever and i think she says i don't know if it's at this point or later in the story but at some point she says that it's easier in the dark yeah to say what you're thinking
1: it's that whole like quote-unquote confessional aspect (laughs) well no it's just thinking about our late in the night early in the morning confession things and conversations oh that's true right it's so much easier when there's that assumed it's not really privacy but i don't know where you can be hidden yeah you feel concealed all of
0: you is showing yeah it's less vulnerable safer in the dark she ends up telling him why she's there that she's there to snag the duke but really her main motivation at this point in the story is to be accepted into society again because she got ousted when she was mildly ruined <laughs> she's just a little tarnished just just a little bit ruined not like all the way that's fine no, slight slight tear. <laughs> oh no, never mind <laughs> she misses that you know she misses her friend she misses being part of it being accepted being wanted that's what she really wants is to be wanted and she felt before she was wanted and she wants that again he can't continue with his plans until she leaves and he doesn't necessarily want her to leave but eventually she does leave and go back to the party i think we'll talk a little bit about him his name as far as we know is devil he and his brother Wit are coming to threaten the Duke because he is their third brother and they made a deal long ago that there would be no heirs in an effort to get back at their father. Here their third brother, Ewan, the Duke, comes saying, no, I'm going to get married and I'm going to make babies and I'm going to have an heir. And they're like, "I'm um, excuse you. We made a deal. No heirs. Hmm. <laughs> While the devil is skulking in the dark and talking to Felicity, he changes his mind and decides he's going to show the Duke, who's boss, a different way, and he's going to use Felicity to do it. From the very beginning, Wit, his brother, does not think this is a good plan. He's like, what happened to the plan? Our other plan was good. This plan sucks. I don't like this plan. (laughs) Devil is in denial. (laughs) He thinks it's a fabulous plan. felicity has re-entered the party she runs into her old friend group and they trade rare insults especially with one of her friends natasha they do that thing like oh poor felicity yeah felicity is just so fed up she just wants so badly to show them up and show them that she's valuable and wanted and so she tells them that she's already landed the duke (laughs)
1: <laughs> which is outrageous oh
0: oh yeah no this is a huge lie and social faux pas like oh yeah i mean this this will ruin her reputation forever her entire family's reputation it will be a big big deal once it gets out that this is a lie
1: she's actually never met the duke at this point right so she's never been properly introduced like that's a whole thing no no
0: She's just seen him across the room. Yeah. That's it.
1: So it's like, you could be, I mean, in Regency era of England, you could be like right next to one another. But if you haven't been introduced, you can't be like, hey, what's up? Right.
0: Someone who knows you both must introduce exactly.
1: you. So this is huge.
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to hang her.
0: Her ex-friends... They want to believe she's lying, but they also find it hard to believe she's lying because it's such a lie. Yeah, go big or go home. Yeah, it is egregious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it would be hard for them to fathom why someone would lie to such an extreme degree.
0: Why would you open yourself up to that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, oh, we, <laughs> we thought you were on the shelf. We didn't think you were stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, now that Felicity is out of the way, the devil confronts the Duke and he's like, Remember our agreement? No heirs. No heirs. No heirs are allowed. We get a little bit of background, and over the course of the story more and more comes out till the very end you get like a lot. But basically, the Devil's father has three baby mamas <laughs> none of which <laughs> he married. Cause yeah, he didn't
1: have to, and he's
0: such a gentleman. Yeah, and they all had a son on the same day. Which he timed that real well. He also has a fourth child that's not technically his child that belongs to his yeah, wife. Yeah, not biologically his. Yeah, although he doesn't plan to let anyone know that it's not his kid. No. But unfortunately, that fourth child is a girl, so he needs an heir. He needs a male heir, damn it. Even though in the duke is one of the three bastard sons. He ended up inheriting the dukedom, which is a whole thing that comes out later. The other three children are pretty salty about it. Rightfully so,
1: I would say. Yeah, it's not that that he inherited, but he was disloyal to them. They say he stole it. Yeah. The other brothers feel that the title and lands and everything should have gone to the girl than woman who becomes their sister grace and so by him sort of inheriting it they feel like you know he stole it but it's it's more nuanced than that the weird thing is like (laughs) yes he did steal it but technically legally he didn't steal it from her he stole it from whatever male heir or whoever was supposed to get that land
0: right because basically the old duke the father Did not produce a legitimate heir, a male within his marriage. And so the title and all that should have gone to some other person. Was it his to start with? Not his direct line. Or
1: was it, I thought it was the wife's, but he gets
0: it because he married her. Oh, maybe. That was my understanding. But at any rate, he he wants it to stay in his direct line. Oh, yeah. That's his whole thing. That's why the boys made this agreement, no heirs. Because they're like, well, fuck you, dad. Your line dies with us. No legacy for you. (laughs) (laughs) And so Ewan, he's in love with Grace, but he also maybe sort of wanted to kill Grace long ago. I don't know if he wanted to, but he felt like he had to, maybe. So Grace is in hiding with the other two brothers. And Ewan has come out back into society Proclaiming he's going to get married and, and have an heir because he's trying to draw his brothers out and goad them into giving up where Grace is. That's what he wants. He wants Grace. Yep. Devil would rather do literally anything else than give up Grace.
1: <laughs> Just pick from the list. <laughs> I think so,
0: honestly. So while the Duke succeeds in drawing Devil out to have a confrontation with him and everything, Devil isn't going to give up Grace. Mm-hmm. And they they've begun this dance, essentially. Ewan is going to try to manipulate Devil, Devil's going to try to manipulate Ewan.
1: And lucky lucky lady in the middle, right?
0: Yeah. Luckily for Ewan, he has a bride already <laughs> now. Cause he overheard that Felicity announced to everyone that they're oh, engaged. Are? So he's like, Well, I'll just marry her, it's fine. Because he doesn't really care. No, he's he's an ice prince at this point. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't give a shit, and and he he doesn't plan to love or be with this woman in any way except potentially impregnate her. Which, that's how a lot of those marriages work. And I mean, he, do- he doesn't intend to mistreat her at all. He's, like, gonna buy her a house, and she can be rich, and she'll be a duchess, it's fine. She gets what she wants, I get to fuck with my brothers, it's good. I just need your womb. <laughs> I will take very good
1: care- of the holder of the womb
0: (laughs) honestly in felicity's situation that is one of the better scenarios that she could face because some of those other (laughs) prospects were cringy i mean this one it's like well it could be worse it could be a lot worse oh yeah i mean you could have uninspired sex with this guy till you get pregnant and then he'll leave you alone forever Mm -hmm. it's great Meanwhile, you get all the trappings of society. Yep. Oh, but this pushes devil's buttons. He does not like this. Oh, poor buddy. Already, he's in denial, but he likes Felicity. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he plans to use her, he still likes her. Meanwhile, Felicity and her brother Arthur are back at home with their mother, and it finally comes out that they need her to marry rich. Arthur and their father made a bad investment and lost all their money. They're freaking the fuck out because Felicity went and lied <laughs> about being engaged to the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and in my notes, I have, well, crap, no one will marry her now. <laughs> now she's good and ruined. But that's basically yeah. true. Once it comes out that she lied about her engagement to the Duke, she's going to be, oh, <laughs> a pariah. You see that stain on your <laughs> record? <laughs> That's a
1: lot bigger now.
0: (laughs) She goes to bed and she has this flight of fancy that it's all going to turn out okay. (laughs) She thinks she's alone in the dark of her bedroom.
1: (laughs) But she's not. Even in darkness, you're never alone. (laughs) The man from before (laughs) is hiding in the dark. That's not creepy.
0: (laughs) Creepy fucker.
1: He wants to know why she lied. (laughs) Dude, do you know what it's like to be a woman in Regency era?
0: (laughs) Felicity. (laughs) Felicity has balls, man. She just chats with this dude, you know? (laughs) Random dude in the darkness. (laughs) Here, let me confess all my secrets and wants and dreams. Hello, darkness, my not old friend. (laughs) but he keeps poking at her he's like why did you lie though why did you say you were engaged to the duke i think she ends up saying she wants to be wanted by him she wants to feel like for once she's the flame the duke is the moth this is a metaphor that is used throughout the story heavily but this is where it begins devil tells her he can get her the duke He comes partially into the light and she's able to see his whole face. He's got this big ass scar on his right side of his face from like his temple to his lip or something. Yeah. But other than that, he's super duper hot. And actually the scar is kind of hot too, she thinks i don't know she acts like she's like oh i don't know how to play the game i don't know how to do this but she does very well at piquing his jealousy throughout this book and she starts like right now she's all yeah you know i thought you were pretty handsome but the duke is actually more handsome than you (laughs) ouch (laughs) you have wounded me (laughs) oh my pride She's like, I don't want to just marry the Duke. I want him to want me. He says he'll give her the Duke and he will want her. He'll be her moth to her flame. Then she'll owe him a favor. And she's like, well, what if you don't pay up? Will you owe me a favor then? (laughs) (laughs) And Devil is kind of nonplussed about it. but He's all, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Whatever. He gives her his card that has Devil on it. And then on the backside, an address and leaves. Devil's plan is to get Felicity hooked up with the Duke and then steal her away and ruin her. And he plans to do this with any other woman after that that the Duke might happen to be with to show, haha, I am in control. You lose, sir. No air, no grace, no prizes for you.
1: And the women that get caught up in the grinder, <laughs> eh.
0: Oh, well, it's fine. He's already lying to himself. Oh, yeah. he likes her in spite of himself, and he keeps thinking about her. These all no, no, be cold, be beer. <laughs> you don't want her. <laughs> she is a means to an end. <laughs> but she's so hot and fun and interesting. <laughs> no, no, she's not. <laughs> We learn a little bit more about Devil. He is one of the Bare Knuckle Bastards. He runs a smuggling ring. Used to be a brawler, and his brother Wit still is a brawler. And in my notes, I have smugglers and brawlers with hearts of gold. (laughs) And I mean, basically, that's what they are. They're protecting and hiding their sister. They live in this slum area of London. It's a rookery called Covent Garden. They own this warehouse and they inspire loyalty with everyone who lives around there because they give them jobs and they give them money and they make sure they have food and what they need and they're benevolent. They make
1: sure that vulnerable
0: populations within their sphere of
1: influence are protected.
0: Yes. And it's a big deal to them because they all came from nothing, being bastards themselves. But he goes back home to his warehouse and discovers that felicity is already there hi (laughs) she's let herself in (laughs) you know he's he's almost successfully talked himself out of liking her and then lo and behold (laughs) there she is (laughs) he is accompanied by his sister grace who goes by dahlia grace is just super excited to see this woman in his room <laughs> like ha someone's fucking with you now he, he. <laughs> she's yeah. basically oh, right yeah. she's just like <laughs> it's definitely the sibling like raspberry moment and she leaves them alone but before she goes she whispers an address into felicity's ear and devil is like <laughs> what did she tell you and felicity's like If she wanted you to know, she would have said it so that you could hear. (laughs) And that just pisses him off. They continue bantering, and then he proceeds to go into the next room and start stripping down and bathing, trying to scare Felicity away because, oh no, her delicate Mm -hmm. sensibilities. He says to her, well, we might as well start talking about the plan now. Come on in. Thinking she'll run away, but instead she comes Mm -hmm. in. (laughs) she's all oh don't worry i've seen a man in a state of undress before it's fine (laughs) she's very very innocent and naive about this too technically she has but not like in the way devil is thinking because he's like oh really (laughs) have you now (laughs) so he wants to know like oh really (laughs) you tell me i need to know this spill the tea and she tells him about the duke who got away he was thoroughly in love with his wife and that made Felicity want a love match for herself. And she saw him in his night clothes, which is a state of undress in Regency yes. era England. There are several parts of the story where she ogles devil. He'll be wearing like just a shirt without a cravat or jacket or whatever. And she'll be like looking at the triangle of chest that's exposed. And oh my, very exciting. Devil is besotted He is super into this girl, and he's starting to feel guilty about his plans, and yet he still continues with his plans. He tells Felicity he'll send her a dress that shows some skin and arrange for her to cross paths with the Duke. She's like, yeah, you know, you can dress a pig, but underneath you're still a pig. Like, I don't see how this is going to work for us, because I'm plain. I'm on the shelf. I'm basically a spinster. I'm a plain spinster wallflower. No dress will make me better. (laughs) Devil tells her how beautiful she is. But then he realizes, oh, oops, looks like she's kind of into this. And so he has to give her a backhanded compliment, which makes her leave. Instead of waiting to be escorted out, like he tells her to, she just leaves and like walks off into the middle of the slum (laughs) by herself. No escort, no carriage, no protection, no nothing. It's not good. She's upset. She doesn't realize that she's made a big no-no by going into the middle of the slum by herself. She's too busy feeling butt hurt because Devil acted like he was interested in kissing her and then dismissed her. As she's walking, she's approached by a young woman who asks her for money. She goes to give the woman some money and realizes she's already <laughs> been pickpocketed. <laughs> Whoopsie! And all her money is gone. And then she gives the woman one of her hairpins. And then she gets swarmed by a bunch of other women and girls who all want hairpins. And then a man approaches and is like, oh, well, what will you give me? A hairpin to the gut? Ugh. Yeah, he grabs her hair because at this point it's loose from all the hairpins being gone. And you get the feeling he's going to drag her into an alley and have a yeah, way with her or something. Get the sense no good is going to come from this. Devil arrives just in time and reminds this man of the rules. You're not supposed to touch women or children on my turf. And he is going to kill this man over touching Felicity's hair. And I guess the threat of raping her, but really, it seems like he's just pissed off that this man got to touch Felicity's hair yeah. and he didn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> he pulls the sword out of his cane because of course he carries a sword cane. Naturally. Cane sword, whatever. <laughs> of course he does and felicity begs for the man's life he's all please don't kill him he doesn't deserve to die for this and so devil banishes him from his area you're no longer allowed in my turf
1: i think it's interesting that in a lot of stories the female character will take that
0: role what the please don't kill my rapist role
1: yeah (laughs) or my assaulter
0: yeah i guess it's the soft heart
1: i don't know if assaulters The a pepperer.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel a peppered. Yeah, it just that always strikes me as I don't know, I don't get it.
0: Well, I think it depends in different books how well the author does it. I think in this story, the author does make it pretty clear that Felicity takes a lot of responsibility that she maybe shouldn't. Yeah. And I think that she kind of feels responsible now for this man's actions because she was stupid and went into the middle of the slum by herself. Yeah. And so she's kind of victim-blaming herself, I think. And so she feels like she should save him because it's not his fault he's a rapist. (laughs) Rapist gonna do what rapist's gonna do. It's my fault for being there. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's my fault for existing. How dare I exist?
0: I know. I'm the one who entered the lion's den. He's just a lion. You know. Mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty clear in this story, that she does that i mean there's other instances too like with her family and her feeling like she owes them this marriage to the duke and whatnot but yeah it is it's kind of gross isn't it
1: and then i think about like well what as a reader do i want to happen he was stopped because someone intervened not because he was like hey maybe i shouldn't rape this woman so yeah do i feel like he should be killed do I feel like he should be maimed? Like what? <laughs> what do I feel is justice? Because I feel like him walking away without any repercussions or consequences does not feel like justice. True. And I'm annoyed that she defends him. It happens all the time in books, and lots of times I'm sure I don't even notice it. There's so many things that you just you don't notice till you notice them.
0: Did him getting banished from Covent Garden feel like justice to you? No, no. Mm-mm. I felt like it was a pretty big deal because he left a really cushy lifestyle for his class. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was justice either. That doesn't feel sufficient. But I don't know what. Would. But what can you do at the point? Yeah, at this point in the story. Okay, so he he is gonna assault her. Devil stops him. So now, at this point, anything he does is in cold blood. Yeah. If he had stopped him by running him through, <laughs> then we could write that off as, oh, he's just protecting. It's fine. <laughs> but now he's ready to murder this man.
1: I'm not sure, like, what would be satisfying. I'm I'm turning it over in my head. Because I'm like, well, what is both satisfying and doesn't turn devil into a devil
0: yeah unredeemable
1: exactly and i just i don't know i don't mm, i don't i don't know
0: what's right i agree and i think that the i think the way the author handled it is in such a way that i think if devil did murder him or maim him or whatnot it would have turned him into a worse guy
1: is it like an issue with the reader or just our stories in general because this happens a lot it seems particularly in romance so I don't know if it's
0: indicative of... Okay, so from a romance reader perspective, I, I do agree that it is kind of trope And I think that it comes from a place of she can tame the beast.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So there's this powerful, dangerous man that's willing to do anything, even murder someone, to protect his woman. But she can tame that. She can prevent that.
1: She managed him
0: yeah she's in control Hmm. Uh, whether that is how this scene reads i think that's kind of the trope
1: Hmm. i don't disagree i just i guess i just i'm trying to understand something that just doesn't make sense to me
0: the thing is is that there are a lot of tropes in romance that are potentially problematic in the real world
1: or yeah
0: problematic not super feminist I mean, you could do them in a feminist way, and I don't know that this is or is I'm not making a judgment call here. But I think that you you just have to think about the fact that this is meant to be a fantasy. Yeah. Things that you want in a fantasy yeah, yeah. wouldn't necessarily work in the real world. Oh, yeah. So having the fantasy of, oh, this big, strong, powerful man will do anything, and I'm the only one who can stop him. I mean, that could be a cool fantasy. Yeah, I guess. Maybe not yours, but (laughs) for others. Yeah,
1: my reaction is like, I want her to like kick his ass. (laughs) Like that, that as I'm sitting here thinking about it, like that feels...
0: I agree with you. I think that that's what I want. I want her to be powerful. Yeah. And not in in the way that I mentioned with the tropiness. I want her to be powerful in her own right. Why can't she grab the sword and do something? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, maybe not murder, but maim. I think the biggest issue I have with this scene and others like it is that the criminal goes off and presumably could live to commit crimes another day. Yeah. He isn't dissuaded from being a rapist. He's dissuaded from being a rapist when devil's there.
1: Yeah. That's why when you were like, oh, if he runs off, like if he is exiled from Comet Garden, is that sufficient? That's why my knee jerk reaction is no. Because he will keep being horrible. He's just gonna do it where... Yeah, he could go there,
0: rape somewhere else. Where there
1: aren't consequences.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, totally. So Felicity is feeling very fraught, I think. There's a lot of tension in the air. Devil is exuding powerful manliness. And Felicity's like, oh my gosh. She kisses him. It's hot. Eventually he pulls away and then implies that there are dangerous people lurking in the shadows. And then he calls out to the... Apparently to Felicity, empty street, that Felicity is under his protection and then he taps his cane twice on the ground and there are echoing taps coming from everywhere and it freaks Felicity out. She's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) But this is kind of a mistake because now Felicity is safe in Covent Garden and feels free to come and go as she pleases. (laughs) Mm So if Devil didn't want her around, he should not have done that. Three days later, Devil and Wit are lurking in the gardens of Bourne House, which is where another ball is being held. They're waiting for Felicity to show up. She's supposed to be wearing this wonderful dress and get into the Duke's path. The plan is supposed to happen and Felicity shows up. She's wearing the dress and she is the hotness. Devil cannot keep his eyes off her. The dress is gold. The color of the dress is essentially a secret message to Ewan, which Felicity is unaware of. And really, that's what attracts the Duke to Felicity. Hmm. The fact that she's wearing a gold dress that has this message. <laughs> so the Duke sees her, goes up to talk to her. And so Wit's like, oh, good, we can leave now. And Devil's like, no, no, you can leave. I'm going to hang out. Wit is like, oh my gosh. You are so gone for this woman. Everyone knows except Devil. <laughs> Devil doesn't know. <laughs> I have the word besotted in my notes so many times. <laughs> so, I mean, he is. He is pining. Oh my goodness. He he's a piney boy. Oh. Yeah, and he feels so guilty and he's jealous and he's like, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? Felicity is being swarmed by men. <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> i hate this <laughs> meanwhile felicity is realizing that re-entering society is not all it's cracked up to be She is not enjoying herself she is not the same person that she was before she met devil even now she's changed she's realized you know what there's more to this world than society and i like the other stuff the other stuff is exciting this is stupid i don't like this anymore <laughs> She slips away outside, has another confessional slash banter with Devil in the dark. She realizes she has a problem now. She wants Devil, not the Duke, but she also wants to help her family because now she knows that her family really needs her to marry Rich. While she's outside, the Duke finally, finally, finally approaches her and he suggests a marriage of convenience. I really enjoyed Ewan. I really did. Like once we started having him show up and talk and he just does not care. He does not give a shit whatsoever. And you can just tell he's hilarious. (laughs) I don't know. He's like, yeah, well, you know, you're there and I need to get married. So since you told everyone we're getting married, let's just do it. It's fine. I'll buy you a house.
1: We're not going to live together. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Whatever. You'll get what you want, right? You'll have both the perks of a mistress and a married lady.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's great. This is not a moth flame situation, (laughs) and Felicity is painfully aware of it. Ouch. (laughs) She's like, this is not what the devil promised me. (laughs) He said the Duke would be into it, and he is not. (laughs) He is the opposite of into it. The next day... After that wonderful proposal, Felicity shows back up at Devil's Warehouse. Surprise! And he comes upon her while she's trying to pick the lock to the warehouse. And he thinks that's hot. It's a supposed unpickable lock, which he tells her. And she's all, oh, it's one of those. Like she knows exactly what he's talking about. And then she ends up being able to pick it because she (laughs) picks it backwards or something. I don't know. She figures it out, she does a thing. And it's hot. He's into it. They go inside. It's his smuggling, cough, cough, ice shipping business. (laughs) (laughs) Felicity is well aware this is a smuggling setup. She's not fooled whatsoever. And she's like, oh, that's interesting that there's all this ice here. (laughs) Witch shows up. He's introduced as Beast. That's his special name devil does not like that felicity finds wit handsome because she says like she (laughs) she like full on checks him out (laughs) like basically says something about how beautiful he is or i don't know something like that and devil does not like that this is what i mean it's like she keeps making him jealous and it's hard to believe that it's innocent (laughs) i feel like she's fucking with him this whole story (laughs) but then she's so innocent about some stuff so i don't know <laughs> and i think that's devil's problem too <laughs> she recognizes right away too that wit and devil are brothers because they have familial resemblance or whatnot and then devil takes her underground to show her the ice in the hold because he's trying to prove that he does indeed ship ice i guess <laughs> And while they're down in the hold, she tells him that he hasn't made good on his promise, because a marriage of convenience was not the promise. <laughs> and then this is another thing. She says, "No devil, you need to teach me how to lure the Duke and make him want me." <laughs> this is what I mean. <laughs> is she Is she fucking with him or not? I don't know. What a lady?) <laughs> <laughs> I want her to be I want her to be aware of how she's affecting him because yeah, I just do but I don't know that she is because she still has like all these doubts about him like later in the story where she wants him and he he keeps pushing her away and she believes him and if she were aware of how he was reacting to her and that he actually was into her, I don't think she would act that way. So,
1: do you think it's cuz they're kind of in darkness or do you think it's a naivete thing?
0: I think it's her innocence. Yeah. I think that she truly doesn't get how she affects men and she says these provocative things and devil isn't a aristocrat, he's not a gentleman and he does not handle it the way a gentleman would. I mean, she knows that he's not a gentleman, but at the same time she doesn't like get it, I think yeah she's dangling like a carrot in front of him like oh look at the carrot (laughs) don't you want it (laughs) and he doesn't play the game (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know it's yeah it's interesting
1: i was just thinking like i wonder if our society isn't as much into the innocent female trope as they used to or if it's because we're not in our 20s anymore
0: Truly. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's something about, and, and I like Regencies, I do, but there is something about like the virginal, innocent, naive heroine that just kind of bothers me in a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just over it. I want her to take her power. I want her to be a sexual being. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why she's in this book. Yeah, <laughs> It almost seems like... In this story particularly, it's driven home how much of a disservice society has done to Felicity by not letting her experience any of that. She's 27 years old and had her first kiss a week ago.
1: And I wonder, in all honesty, how realistic that is Yeah, for the time period. Because we tend to think of women of the past were so sheltered, and in a lot of ways, depending on socioeconomically where they were they may have been but i just i wonder there are a lot of like female historical figures where we have any kind of letters from them at all because let's face it they were women so they didn't matter they weren't important why why (laughs) keep their correspondence but for a lot of (laughs) that's that that's been the attitude please tell me i'm wrong No, i know go (laughs) ahead (laughs) i wish i wish you were wrong i don't like that the snarky is true trust me (laughs) (laughs) But there's always, especially if the female was unmarried, you had to then remove anything that would be considered sensational from her life once she passed. So it's like we have this understanding, or we think we do, that women, if they weren't married, or if they were young women, or that they just didn't know anything. And let's face it, gentlemen weren't always gentlemanly. So I wonder, I wonder how naive average and of course lots of different variables and whatnot i wonder how naive they really were
0: yeah i think a lot of it has to do with their place in society like what level they're at i think that it's probably a lot more likely for a woman to be so naive if they're in a situation where they're cosseted and expected to be and the the family has the money to keep them that way essentially yeah versus common folk or whatever. But then there's also I think a lot of it just depended on the family. Yeah. Probably and how secret they were able to be. <laughs> I just I just wonder. Yeah, it's interesting. And and it's interesting too when you think about how much of history is sanitized like mm-hmm. what about homosexuality? Oh, they were two men that lived together and never married. They were best friends. <laughs> or two women that were best friends. Mm-hmm. Totally. (laughs) And you look at pictures of them and they're wearing suits and you're like, um, are you sure they're just best friends?
1: History totally gets sanitized. Like not all pirates and not all cowboys fit the uh, 1950s ideal, but things just get covered up or not mentioned or lost to history because they weren't considered important at the time because of who they affected. Or we lack the
0: context to fully understand. Yeah, it is.
1: Totally. Some things can appear more malicious than they actually may have been at the time because of how cynical we are about history because we know stuff got lost history intentionally and whatnot.
0: So then when it's like, yeah. oh,
1: this may have been a genuine accident,
0: was it? Well, in Felicity's case, she is truly that innocent, Um, at least as far as her sexuality goes. Like later, she doesn't even know the words for certain things. Yeah devil takes felicity up on the dare i think that's essentially what it is he starts kissing her and while he's kissing her like in between kisses he tells her about how when he was young he wanted to steal sponge sugar at the fair but she's more sweet than that could ever be so he'll steal her instead and she says it's not stealing if he allows it but then he thinks to himself that he is stealing her And I kind of wanted to talk about that a Mm -hmm. little bit because, I mean, it goes back to his plan, right? He does plan to, quote, steal her away from the Duke and, quote, ruin her. But is that what he's thinking here? I was kind of confused. I I liked what she said, how it's not stealing if she allows it. Like, if I want to be ruined or if I want to be ravished and I let you, then it's fine. And I liked that. And I kind of didn't get... Where she's he...
1: owning her sexuality.
0: Yeah, as much as she's able yeah. to. And I didn't understand where he was coming from. Do you think he was just thinking back to his plan? Or do you think there was something else there?
1: I kind of got the impression that it was partly his plan that he was worried about. I I don't feel like at that point in the story, he's willing to admit, I like her. It's still, no, no, I'm I'm using her. That That is my plan.
0: Let us not deviate. he keeps reminding himself of oh no she's on the shelf she's a spinster she's a wallflower she's plain which he doesn't believe any of those things but he keeps telling himself that
1: i mean that that's sort of where i assumed his headspace was but i mean it could have been like he's having a difficult time adjusting to the fact that this sounds terrible that she could know herself and what she wants
0: yeah no that's kind of Like it rubbed me the wrong way, I think, because it's like he's telling her, no, you don't know. You don't know what you're asking for. Yeah, it's
1: if she was allowed to be a little less innocent, (laughs) then maybe he could trust that she does. And a lot of stories are she is innocent and doesn't know anything. And he will be able to determine exactly what she wants. Sans conversation. He just he just knows.
0: has has the sex powers. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think that's where sometimes scenes like that get a little tricky is the right word.
0: And I don't know if he's like that because there are multiple times in this story where they are making out or more and she'll like move him or, or direct him somehow. And then she'll like kind of feel embarrassed about it. And he's like, no, no, do that. I like that. So I don't know that it's. Or they're just navigating this. For him necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like that whole scene, like kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I think, because I really liked that she said, if I allow it, it's not stealing. Yeah. And she's basically in that moment, I think, trying at least to let him know that her goals have changed. Yeah. She doesn't want a loveless marriage to the Duke. She wants passion and she wants to feel things and she wants. The man that she's with to want Mm -hmm. her.
1: And she wants the agency to choose that. Which she didn't. I mean, she kind of chose the Duke, but she really didn't. It was an oops.
0: Yeah, and she's trying, I think, to let Devil know that she's willing to give him herself. I mean, in a sexual way, but just in general, too. Like, she wants Mm -hmm. to be with him. And then when he says... Or he doesn't say, but when he's thinking to himself, oh, well, actually, it still is, like she's wrong, it just, I'm like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm conflicted. So, okay. It turns into making out. Now they're making out on top of blocks of ice. It is hot and heavy. And then they are interrupted by knocking. It turns out that one of their quote, ice deliveries got hijacked. <laughs> devil keeps trying to send felicity home she wants to stay and help somehow she thinks she can because of her position in society or something like she wants to use whatever power she may have and devil is mean to her and says she's no help to him you need to just leave and get out of here like that kind of thing and i have a quote here where he says you're no kind of help you think this is a game you think the darkness a shining new toy and then he says The deal is done. Go home, Felicity. You are not welcome here. So he's like, fuck off and leave me alone. I think this is the point in the story where he's realized it's gone too far for him. Now he has emotions. Yes, now he has feels and he wasn't intending to have feels. She needs to go away so he can pretend he doesn't have feels anymore. <laughs> but if she keeps showing up and being hot and picking his locks and whatnot.
1: See, I have this whole emotional <laughs> robot thing going on and I really liked it. And I want to go back to that. But in order to do that, you have to go.
0: <laughs> Although I do think he has a point where he says that she thinks it's a game. Because consistently, every time she's introduced to a new part of Devil's world, she's excited by it and Mm -hmm. interested in it and engaged and whatnot. And I think that he maybe misinterprets that a bit as her not taking it Mm. seriously. And I don't think she's not taking it seriously. I think she just didn't realize that life could be like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or that the world had these things in it. Totally. She she is, in a way, enamored with it, but I don't know that she doesn't take it seriously. He's really mean. He is so mean in that scene. Yeah. And she goes home with her tail between her legs and she's just like, he's mean. Uh, what did I do? But I think, too, that him saying that has helped her kind of understand the disparity between their worlds. The fact that she knows he had a really hard life growing up. He, she doesn't know the details, but she knows it sucked. Meanwhile, she's worried about her family losing their position in society. And it's just not the same. There's no point where they're necessarily going to be starving or whatever. They're just not going to live at the level they were accustomed to. Two days have passed and the Duke is now in talks with her father for their marriage. Literally there talking to her dad. And Felicity interrupts, <laughs> which I really like that. She's like, well, I feel since I'm part of this, I should be in this conversation. And the Duke just calmly invites her in and tells her what's what. <laughs> her dad and her brother are, are like freaking out. And her mom is like, keeps trying to apologize and drag her out of the room. And, <laughs> and she's like, no, I mean, I need to know what's going on. <laughs> i deserve to know yeah which is fair i mean freaking a and the duke says that he'll buy her house in london and she'll be rich and he won't be living (laughs) there she's just like uh like not this again i hate this (laughs) and her whole family is like scandalized because the duke doesn't give a shit about societal perceptions whatsoever he's using her for his own Mm -hmm. purposes And they're letting him because they want the (laughs) money. I mean, essentially, they're selling Felicity to him. Basically.
1: And to a much lesser extent, Felicity's using him, right? Because at least at the start of the story, she wanted to be welcomed back into society. So everybody's using everybody for something.
0: (laughs) But Felicity and the Duke are honest about it. And that freaks her family out. (laughs) They don't like that. Felicity asks him if he wants to go see the gardens and he accepts, and they go walking in the garden and they talk it's a good talk again, I freaking love him. he's just so like he just doesn't <laughs> care. he does not care, and he knows he knows that he's getting under devil's skin by pretending he's into felicity in the slightest. <laughs> he's doing it on purpose, yes, <laughs> we find out for sure that this is the case because he asks her for a kiss, and she agrees. And she's thinking, well, maybe, you know, all kisses are amazing. It's not just devil. All kisses will be good. So maybe I'll kiss him and it'll be good. (laughs) He carefully positions her against the (laughs) hedgerow. And then kisses her in this completely unthrilling way where he's not moving at all. It's like he's just pressing his mouth against hers. (laughs) And then as the kiss ends, he reaches his arm into the hedge and extracts a boy out from the hedge. (laughs) (laughs) who had been spying on them (laughs) felicity recognizes the boy as one of devil's spies and so she sends him back with a message that she's getting married and doesn't require devil's attention anymore (laughs) and the duke tells the boy make sure that you let him know that we kissed (laughs) (laughs) and so the boy runs off and then the duke asks felicity if she thought the kiss was worth it for the spy to report it to devil and felicity's like no, it wasn't. Because she doesn't think that Devil would care. She doesn't think yeah. Devil would give a shit. She thinks he pushed her out. He pushed her away. He's not into her. But she's wrong because later that day or night, Devil comes to see her. I wonder what that little kid thought as he was
1: running back to Devil like, oh, fuck, don't kill the messenger. Don't kill the messenger.
0: <laughs> right? The devil comes to see Felicity saying, oh, well, I'm answering your summons. (laughs) And she proceeds to make him jealous. Again, this is another thing where I'm like, does she realize what she's doing? I think maybe at this point she does, but it's not explicit in the story. So I don't know. Yeah. But it shows that his lessons worked. (laughs) Because she's like, I got my moth. (laughs) Hee hee I don't know if she's that sure of him at this point, but in my head, I want her to be. She's figured out that Devil knows who the Duke is. She knows they have some sort of relationship, but she's not sure what it is. And then she asks about his scar, and he says he got it from his brother, but not the brother she met. They're out in the garden, and they come across this curved bench, and he asks about it, and she says it's a whispering bench, so like, if you sit on opposite sides it's like the acoustics will let them hear each other without it looking like they're whispering yeah those things
1: are real it's trippy i oh i want one (laughs) i don't know what i'd use it for
0: he tells her the story of the god of locks and then he starts talking dirty to her and then she's like blushing and she tells him that She knows that he lied to her and the Duke was never going to burn for her. Like he was never going to want her in the way she wants to be wanted. And she says, but the Duke isn't my moth. I don't want him. I want you. To
1: Show me the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's into this. I think this is the point where he realizes he's not going to be able to follow through (laughs) on his plan.
1: I feel as though there's a bump in the road. (laughs) An obstacle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't think they could ever be together. But he also doesn't think he could ruin her, use her the way he was planning to. And they start kissing and it turns into making out and then it turns into fingering. It's a very, the fingering scene was kind of hot because she was like super into it. He was into it. It was a thing. I think it's more of a Regency trope, the fingering, than in other, other genres. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah. Have you noticed that too? A little bit. Yeah. I think because they can't they can't hmm. have sex. Yeah. Or I mean they can, but you know. Um he tells her his name is Devin, so he tells her his real name. And then he goes down on her. So he's like all about it. He makes her orgasm and then afterwards he tells her about <laughs> this is <a> great pillow <laughs> talk, Devin. He tells her about how his mom <laughs> abandoned him as a baby and he grew up in an orphanage. And then he's like, You're too good for me. Bye. <laughs> <And> he leaves. <laughs> Uh, I feel so bad for Felicity in this moment. She's like, man. She like, really put herself out there, like really fully put herself out there and she was ready to go all the way probably and he's just like, no, bye.
1: Let me emotionally dump on you and then walk away.
0: Later. <laughs> you are so far above me. <laughs> I have you on this pedestal. You are unachievable. Goodbye. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> Three more days pass. Felicity has left Devil alone as he requested. Devil is moping. And as he's moping, his sister Grace shows up. And she's mad because she's seen the wedding announcement for the Duke and Felicity in the paper. Her brothers hadn't told her about this whole plan to manipulate the Duke. She's really pissed about it. Devil says, well, he's getting he's going to get Felicity out of marrying the Duke. And Grace and Whit both force him to admit that he cares about Felicity. And they're like, well, why don't you marry her? i was like i can't she's so far above me and then while they're talking grace gets a note that felicity is at her club (laughs) right now (laughs) and that freaks devil out because grace's club that she owns is a bordello but for women
1: i thought that was great
0: (laughs) i know so women get to go they get supplied with a mask so they can be anonymous (laughs) they get chatted up by some extremely friendly good-looking men and can choose to go off with them if they so desire and felicity's sitting there she is kind of thinking it's a bordello but she's not really sure like what's going on and she's chatting to this really nice guy and (laughs) thoroughly enjoying herself (laughs) And Devil shows up to, quote, rescue her. And she sees him and she goes out of the room and locks him out and starts running away. And he ends up breaking down a door to get to her. And she tells him that she wants to be his flame. Again, she's like, dude, I want you to want me. Can you please just get over yourself? But she says, I want to be your flame, but I'm worried that I'm your moth instead. She's going to get her wings singed. There's more kissing. They go upstairs to the rooftops. And this is the point where Devil finally tells her about his shitty dad. So there were three boys and one girl all born on the same day to different mothers. And the boys all share the same dad. And then the girl is the wife's
1: child. I have a question. Do you think quote-unquote shitty dad is a trope yes i mean it's so freaking common
0: (laughs) there's so many shitty dads oh my gosh
1: to be fair and we've certainly discussed them they're shitty moms too and i would say well-intentioned mothers that give shitty advice possibly well-intentioned yes i hope well-intentioned we'll give them the benefit of the doubt
0: but yeah it just it's just so freaking common well i think it's it's an easy way to give your character issues yeah isn't that an interesting yet sad commentary (laughs) it's one
1: of those things like i know how to give them issues that are relatable shitty dad like it just (laughs) sometimes what it feels like when reading different stories I don't think you're wrong. Even some of these great, like, fantasy stories, the shitty dad thing totally comes up. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, a romance no, trope. I just think no. it's a book trope. Yeah. Like, it's just a trope. It is a multi-genre, <laughs> cross-genre. It's almost like romance itself. Because <laughs> romance can happen in any story, right? And stories that typically don't, especially if yeah. any length, have a romance, at least subplot, they almost feel incomplete to a certain degree especially for our main character
0: yeah a lot of times it does
1: i feel like shitty dad is almost that kind of level of ubiquitous in stories
0: (laughs) going all the way back to like ancient greece and
1: beyond zeus not all that great of a dad (laughs) no
0: (laughs) No, he's definitely a (laughs) shitty dad
1: (laughs) no i was just curious anyway we can move on (laughs) Well, no, speaking of shitty dads... (laughs) (laughs) No, we
0: can't move on. We are anchored in place. (laughs) When Devin turned 10, his father finally came for him. And he thought, oh good, I'm gonna get a better life or whatever. But no, no, that isn't true. The father was planning (laughs) all along to fuck with these kids. (laughs) Because he claimed... When his daughter was born, he claimed a son was born. Mm. He is lying for his legacy so that he can have his heir and his his name, his line, will be passed down. Learn, but
1: wasn't she raised kind of like, at least as a tomboy? I don't know if she was raised fully as a boy, but at least as a tomboy. Like, she was allowed to play with the boys. Because they're not all... She doesn't consider all of them her brothers.
0: Yeah, because he forces... The kids to like mm-hmm. fight, so she's thrown in the same mix with the with the boys. She's not treated differently from them in that respect at least. He wants all the kids to fight because he wants the strongest and the most ruthless one to be his heir. Great qualities it's really there can really only be one, <laughs> and I mean, we hear more about devil's issues than the other kids in this book because, you know, they all have their own book yeah. or whatever. but um he has so many issues mm-hmm. from this. So many cuz who wouldn't, right? But his dad fucked him up. Yeah. And then he dealt with that sort of shit for 2 years and then when he, when they were 12, he and Wit and Grace all escaped and started out being brawlers, mm-hmm. all of them, even Grace. And then eventually became more successful and were able to give back you know, in the way that he is doing.
1: Apparently Grace was the best of them at brawling, which I just love that.
0: Yes, that's what he
1: says. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it makes sense too, because until she developed that reputation, I'm assuming that she was so successful because she was underestimated.
0: Oh, probably, yeah. So now Felicity knows the story. I think Devil slash Devin seems to think that he's explaining to her why they can't actually ever be together because he tells her that Felicity is his present but can't be his future. Felicity kind of resigns herself to this in a way and she's like, Well, I want to be in the present with you. And they strip naked on the roof and do basically all the things except penetrative sex. Even though she wants it, he refuses her because that will really ruin her. And I'm like, Dude, I'm <laughs> sorry. If anyone saw this or knew about this, I mean, she's been ruined (laughs) ages ago, man. (laughs) She argues with him and she's like that she wants it and she loves him and she wants to be part of his world and she's going all in. Like she's trying to convince him like she wants to be with him. She wants to be his life partner in all ways. And she goes, you still haven't held up your end of the bargain anyway. And so you need this, like you owe me. <laughs> and they finally have the sex and it's wonderful. And they cuddle on the rooftop until dawn. It's really sweet. But once it's morning, even though she's repeatedly told him that she's changed her mind, she doesn't want to be part of society anymore. She doesn't want that. She wants him. He doesn't believe her and doesn't believe that she wouldn't miss the one thing he can't give her, which is being part of that world. He can't get over the fact that that was basically the first thing she told him when they met, and he can't give her that thing. So he's broken. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I don't function. I'm broken. The next evening, Felicity's attending a ball that she hadn't been invited to last year because everyone wants a piece of her now that she's engaged (laughs) to the Duke. She finds the Duke, and she tells him publicly that she wants to end their engagement because she loves someone else. And the Duke asks her to dance. And as they're dancing, he tells her that he knows his brother has been after her since the day she announced the fake engagement. And this is a whole like, (laughs) what? Moment for Felicity. Your brother? (laughs) And she goes, oh, Ewan. Like she knows who he is. And he's surprised that Devil told her anything about him. And so he reveals that he knows that both he and Devil are using her to get to each other. And that devil seduced her on purpose the other night and she's just a pawn like he rightly intuits that yeah i know you got some (laughs) yesterday and he thinks devil's going through with his plan i think devil was just succumbing to the inevitable felicity slaps the duke's face which is very very shocking and horrible and oh goodness she will never be welcome there ever again (laughs)
1: <laughs> if she wasn't
0: ruined before she is now <laughs> meanwhile devon and i'm calling him devon now because he's kind of had like his personality switcheroo at this point he's reborn <laughs> he returns home to find felicity waiting for him she came straight from the ball and she's like yeah i broke off my engagement with the duke i know that you're planning to betray me did you even love me at all Uh oh." Was this night on the roof all part of your plan? The whole time he's thinking, oh gosh, no, I wasn't planning (laughs) to follow through at that point. I had changed my mind. But if I tell her, then she'll stick around and that's ultimately not good for her. I must be a martyr. So he stays quiet and she says, you deserve the darkness. And then she's Yeah. Poor dude is afraid of the dark. Devin goes to speak with Arthur, Felicity's brother, but is turned away at the door. So he climbs the trellis to Arthur's window this time (laughs) and overhears Arthur fighting with his wife because now Arthur's wife has discovered that he lost all the money and has been lying about it. And the wife says, I've loved you rich and now I love you poor. Do you love me? And I think that kind of plants that little seed in Devin's mind. Oh, well, maybe. But he interrupts them and magically solves all their financial problems and then he leaves and works hard all day and then when he gets done and he's ready to clean up and go to bed and pretend he doesn't miss Felicity he finds Ewan there and Ewan says if you tell me where Grace is I won't punish Felicity. Ewan is planning to force the marriage like not let Felicity end the engagement. Devin implies that Grace is dead Even now, he's not going to give up grace. He'll try to help Felicity, but he's not going to give up grace as part of that. And they fight. Ewan wins. He, like, beats him over the head and knocks him out and then drags him down into the hold with all the ice and locks him down there in the dark. Meanwhile, Felicity speaks with Arthur and learns what Devin did, that he helped out the family. And not only that, but he also gave Felicity a shit ton of money. So she can be free to do whatever the fuck she wants. She no longer has to do anything else, which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. And he also gave her a gift that are lock picks, that are hairpins, that are actually lock picks, which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Felicity's like, oh, he knows. So she goes to find her man, but he seems to be missing, and she finds his cane in front of the hold. And so she starts picking the locks to get inside. The outside of the hold is like six locks on it or something. <laughs> and she uses her fancy hairpins to do it. Mm-hmm. And she rescues him. He's freezing and freaking out. And he just keeps telling her how much he loves her like over and over and over again. Like, oh my god, I love you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I was a shit. Please never leave me. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Forgive, never leave me. Forgive me. And then there's kissing and they share I love yous and proposing. And basically she like kind of proposed to him while she was unlocking the door. And he's like calls her on it. (laughs) But they plan to get married. And then we have an epilogue. So it's three months later. Ewan is now missing. Grace is in hiding. And Felicity and Devin get married. And they have a dance party. The end. (laughs) Dance party. Dance party. Woo woo. So in my notes, I have that I want to talk some more about this whole moth flame metaphor because it really started to bother me by the time we got to the end of the book. Hmm. Like at the beginning of the book where she talks about how, oh, she wants to be the flame and have the moths come to her. She wants to be wanted. And it's, it's a really nice visual metaphor, but it just keeps coming. They keep talking about it. They are fixated on this. And it just really got to me where I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 you're a moth, you're a flame, whatever, I don't care. I think it kind of ruined parts of the book for me because it made me just like, I'm just like rolling my eyes like moth flame. Uh. Mm-hmm. A lot of the writing was gorgeous and very visual. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that keep getting brought up, like the lock picking keeps getting brought up. And there's other... Things that keep getting brought up throughout the story and are thematic for the story and whatnot. And I didn't mind any of those things. I thought it was very beautiful. But the moth flame analogy got on my nerves. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that.
1: I agree that the moth flame analogy happened a little too frequently in the story. I felt like it was apt because of his whole, the darkness scares me. Yeah, But... Yeah, maybe it could have been tweaked in certain ways or in some cases pulled out. Well, like, for
0: example, that the scene where she tells him that she wants to be his flame, but she's afraid she's the moth instead. Mm. Mm -hmm. That scene would have been so much more compelling if I hadn't been rolling my eyes through every moth flame reference up to that point. Fair enough. Yeah. The beginning where she tells him what she wants, I think it was great. I think, like, maybe alluding to it again so we don't forget about it would have been good. And then have it come up again in that scene.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. It was a little overused.
0: Maybe more than a little. Maybe I'm being unkind, but...
1: No, I mean, it did stand out to me. I don't know if it necessarily bothered me as much as it it did you.
0: It's just one of those things. And, I mean, a lot of authors do... Like they have uh, written ticks, right? Yeah. And this isn't necessarily a written tick because I think it pertains just to this story. I don't know that McLean uses the moth flame metaphor elsewhere, but regardless, it felt like a tick mm. because it was so frequent. How was the audiobook?
1: So the narrator was Justine Eyre. And overall, I felt like she did a good job, especially where the couple was concerned, which let's face it, that is the focus. So thumbs up. It was a little tricky sometimes when the brothers were talking, when Wit and um, Devin, Devil, whatever we're calling him, were talking. It was a little difficult sometimes to tell which one, but that could just be me. The important thing was the couple, and she did that really well. In the audiobook, at least for the first one, Wicked and the Wildflower, there was a interview at the end. With the author and her editor. And they talked. Oh, Yeah, they talked about her research and different things about relating to the story. And I thought that was so interesting. I really enjoyed that.
0: That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I know. You like all those special, <laughs> special insight things.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of the things that she used for her research was an anthropologist around the 1860s. So not Regency, Victorian. Um, did research in that area. Of Covent Garden, and basically got a whole bunch of information and data about the poor conditions that the people were living in there. oh wow, and so she used that to inform her writing, which is interesting because if you look at that area now, it is not at all how it used to be as far as socioeconomics are concerned, so yeah, I just I thought that
0: was great anyway, moving on. <laughs> Oh, well, Sarah McLean is really interesting as a person. Um, she actually has a podcast called Faded Mates. Ah. I forget who her co-host is, but they basically, it's all about like this book series by um, someone else Oh, <laughs> and how much they love it. And they go through each book in loving detail. <laughs> nice. Faded Mates hosted by Sarah McLean and romance critic Jen Prokop. i'm sorry jen mispronounced your name probably but anyway basically they have they they kind of go every other episode is them talking about this book series and then the alternate episodes they're talking about like different tropes or things about romance and they will often have a guest for either of those episodes Mm -hmm. and they talk about all sorts. I don't know. That's really good. She's really interesting. If you like what she has to say, you should listen to that podcast.
1: Yeah, I might add that to my list, my very short list of podcasts that I listen to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think especially like the, she calls them the interstitial episodes or whatever, but those are the ones that are the in-betweener episodes. Huh.
1: Interesting. More information. Yay.
0: Back to the story. <laughs> Were you happy for their happy end? I was end? happy
1: for them. I'm happy for their happy ending.
0: I don't think you've been happy for their happy in a long, really? long time. I haven't kept track. <laughs> it kind of feels like it. It kinda feels like you've been like I'm happy it was over or
1: <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like me.
0: <laughs> I'm happy I don't have to read it anymore. Yeah.
1: I know we had a couple of those.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy for them. Yay, me too. I was happy for their happy too. And this was one of those books where at first I was a little worried because she initially wanted to be in society. And if they got together, that just wasn't going to be able to happen. And so I was wondering how are they going to be happy? (laughs) Don't, (laughs) don't do me wrong author. (laughs) But ultimately, She didn't want to be part of society and she did get what she wanted, which was devil slash Devin. And so I am happy for them. Once he finally took her down off the pedestal. Yeah,
1: Sar is a human. (laughs) Yeah, that was good.
0: All right. Well, let's rate them. How did you rate Felicity?
1: I thought Felicity was awesome. I gave her an awesome rating. Yeah, me too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed Felicity. There were several parts in this book where I was just cackling because of how outspoken she is she speaks her mind and she wants to be in on it
1: you sort of get the impression at least (laughs) i do it's like well if she speaks her mind then she's probably not gonna function well in society (laughs) because society is all about the (laughs) right not saying the obvious or not saying your
0: mind yeah she is i think better suited for being a missus versus being Mm -hmm. a lady totally and she embraces that and i really love that about her and i love her whole explanation of why she enjoys lock picking i like that she keeps putting herself out there for devil slash devon i think she's really brave with the whole rejection thing especially after having been super rejected from society and all her friends and whatnot yeah i don't even know if i would call them friends her peers Yeah, well, she thought they were her friends. This is true. Oh, that's a funny scene that we didn't even talk about. But um, her one, quote, friend, Natasha, when she's at that ball before she slaps the Duke, uh, Natasha tries to ingratiate herself to Felicity Mm -hmm. again. And Felicity's like, um, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) not at all. I see what you're doing and I refuse.
1: I am physically recoiling.
0: (laughs) So no. And then the duke is like, who is that? And she's like, oh, nobody.
1: (laughs) No one of consequence.
0: (laughs) It's just so good. (laughs) Well, how did you rate um, Devil slash Devon?
1: I rated him awesome.
0: Charming little devil that he is. (laughs) What about you? I rated him awesome as well. I really enjoyed him. He was quite a pining hero i feel he was really wanting what he thought he didn't deserve and hating himself for it self-flagellation i kind of wish that we got a little bit more of his backstory closer to the beginning of the book than like right at the very end but i could kind of see why he wouldn't have opened up to felicity before that point and maybe that's the purpose of the prologue Mm. because in the prologue you kind of learn a little bit Like, it's told in a very fairy tale way, I think, but...
1: I do like that the author waited for him to open up, because I think sometimes that happens too soon in some stories where it's like, I need to divulge this information now so that the reader has it. It's like, well, maybe not. (laughs) Sometimes it's better to wait.
0: (laughs) And it does get woven into the story really well. It builds up to that, I guess, almost climactic Mm -hmm. scene, right? Where he opens up to... Felicity and tells her why he thinks he's not good enough for her which is because he was uh, abused as a child yeah which is just so sad <laughs> poor guy yeah no he's he's great i really enjoyed him i really liked his creepy skulking <laughs> even though it was freaking creepy
1: i felt he was kind of <laughs> Batmany, yeah it's like i'm gonna use was. the thing because you know appearing in darkness and all of that and uh i'm gonna use the thing that scares me to make others uncomfortable
0: totally <laughs> what about antagonists slash villains
1: okay. i'm in sure you story. have a longer list and that's cool so i put like her felicity's not friends because yeah they contribute to her oh yeah no we're totally already engaged didn't you know um yeah, I also put Devil on the list to a lesser extent because you know his sort of revenge machinations. Even though he gets better, right? Ewan, he got better is on <laughs> is on the list because yeah. I mean, to
0: <laughs> I he, love Ewan. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like on one hand, like he's sort of a hero in the way that you know, if Devil wasn't there. You know, at least she would have some better option than the fuck what's her family wanted her to marry? <laughs> Although maybe maybe her being a spinster would have been the better thing. I don't know. But Ewan, obviously. And then their biological father, the bastard's biological father that I oh, yeah. called Sperm Donor Asshole Duke in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's appropriate. I do too. And, you know... <laughs> he's abusive so i i feel like they were all effective in their various antagonistic roles i always feel weird saying awesome but they didn't feel awkward i would say by and large awesome or effective effective to make it an a word yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah effective
1: effective <laughs> that might be my new thing
0: uh what about you so i agree with your list i definitely um put the not really her friend group um they kind of spur her on into committing her <laughs> giant social faux pas at the beginning of the story and i do agree that devil is pretty antagonistic i mean not only in that he's planning to use felicity but also against himself hmm you know, getting in his own way so he can't get what he wants because he's because he's an abuse survivor, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I put Ewan as well, and I really love him. I think he's probably my favorite antagonist <laughs> in the story because he's just hilarious. He doesn't give a shit, and I just really was into it. He's very cold. I also put Felicity's family.
1: Mm-hmm
0: because they're using Felicity just as much as anyone else is and not telling her about it and not giving her any sort of say or at the very least understanding. I think that she would have felt less resentful of them if they had told her at the beginning, like, hey, you know, we screwed up and we need you to save us. Yeah. (laughs) But if they had done that, I don't know if she would have ended up breaking off her engagement with the Duke because she had the whole duty... going on so i don't know i also put society (laughs) (laughs) you know the man (laughs) keeping us down yes in a lot of ways i think it rears its ugly head in this story you know what we learn about the non-aristocracy aspects of england yeah (laughs) like the slums the rookery the the other characters, um, the author did a really good job at making them real. Yeah. Bringing, bringing those aspects of, of the world to life. And that's something I think often gets glossed over in Regency romance books. It's a big deal, you know? I mean, yeah, great. The aristocracy, they all have this wonderful life, but <laughs> they are a minority. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I think making it so stark and, and pointing out like, especially to felicity that hey, you know what, you think you have it bad, but you don't in comparison to all these other people,
1: yeah, like when devil tells her, like what your family considers poverty isn't actually poverty, right. they're never going to fall to the level of needing to scrape by
0: or deciding who gets to eat tonight, <laughs> exactly,
1: no, she didn't shy from the shy away from the gritty realities of that era and i think that that's probably one of the reasons that i liked it it was entrenched in the atmosphere of i was gonna say gloom but there was well there's joy in the sense of the romance
0: well and there's joy in the sense of freedom too Mm. because i think that that's what felicity sees that world as yeah there's a lot of shitty aspects there but those people can do whatever the fuck they want yeah yeah You know, at least that's how Felicity sees it. Yeah, I mean, they. I know they can't really, but that's how Felicity sees it. And of course,
1: with the bastard storyline, there is that sense of upward mobility, which maybe not everybody has for sure.
0: (laughs) But yay that they did. In fact, there's that one scene um, where uh, Devil is trying to scare her about the neighborhood. Like, no, you don't want to be in Covent Garden because it's dangerous here. And she sees, like, the light glowing on the wet cobblestones or whatever, and it looks like gold to her, and she says it's beautiful. And he's like, no, no, it's not. Yeah, But then later, he's like, damn it. <laughs> it kind of is.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's strangely
1: like that thing we were talking about with our perception of history versus how history actually right. was. You know, because that's what they used to say yeah. about the U.S. Oh, the streets are paved with gold. Mm. <laughs> not so much Uh, not really (laughs) gilded at best maybe (laughs) and it wasn't the streets (laughs) so the author in that uh interview that she did at the end she was pointing out too that she wanted to have the bastards uh devil and beast have obviously the other criminal underworld right because they're bringing in things that they're not supposed to but she was very specific like she didn't want them to be running guns or humans or drugs of any kind. So that's why it was like the taxes plus it ties in I guess with her other yeah. series and the the casino aspects of that series.
0: Yeah, she has she has a whole world in a couple series at least I think. Where these characters reoccur, doesn't she? Yeah,
1: she, she flat out says, she's like, yeah, they will come back. <laughs> she's like, always if I need this, I'll just bring in this character. I was like, that's great.
0: So how did you rate the book?
1: I gave the book a 4.5. Nice.
0: Yes. What about you? I gave it a 4. Yay! Because of the moth flame thing. Oh, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> it was a lot. I, I held it against the book i'm sorry i have a grudge
1: well i mean it's fair in the sense that that is how you feel and <laughs> it did impact your enjoyment and since the ratings are enjoyment based fair enough yeah but
0: i thought it was a really good book i really liked it well on that note did you feel romanced? i did yay I, did. I think mostly because of felicity though like i think <laughs> this is one of the books where i really prefer the heroine to the hero hmm interesting <laughs> What about you? Did you feel romanced?
1: Yes and no. Oh no. I was definitely romanced by the story, not necessarily always the couple, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Like I really like the world that she created. Totally. But I didn't necessarily always feel and maybe maybe that's the moth flame thing. Maybe I didn't always feel that for the couple itself. But so yes and no. I don't know how I would categorize it otherwise. Okay. So what have you been reading?
0: So I recently finished Splintered Shadow by Nancy Cummings. And it is actually the first book in a multi-author series called Shattered Galaxies*. So I guess all the books take place in the same world. But in this book, the heroine didn't update her phone. And so her phone glitches and opens a portal to another planet. (laughs) Whoops. And she falls through. And is now stuck on this alien planet with the grumpiest hot alien ever. (laughs) If you like grumpy pants, like I like grumpy pants, you will really enjoy him. Yay! So the world that she falls into has this, like the, the people in it have like these sort of symbiotic relationships with these giant raven sort of birds. And especially the aristocracy, they'll bond with one of these raven things, like, early on, and they have, like, this symbiotic relationship with them, and it gives them special powers or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when she falls into the world, she gets attacked by this pack of, like, I don't know, kind of like shadow wolf monsters. Oh. And she gets bitten by one of them and accidentally bonds to the wolf monsters (laughs) so she has like this this bond that is like they all see as bad (laughs) the alien who saves her he's a prince and he's kind of seen as useless because his people all have four eyes and he's lost the sight in two of his eyes so he's basically blind and He used to be really up in the military and can't do that anymore because of his sight or lack thereof. And he rescues her and decides he's going to keep her forever. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to give it away. It's really cute. He's grumpy and he pines. Okay. (laughs) So if you like that, you'll like this. Yay. (laughs) What about you? What have you been reading?
1: Well, I continued with the series. And I've read Brazen and the Beast, which is Wit and Hetty's story. Uh, Hetty wants to claim her body and family business as her own. Wit, aka Beast, wants to have her and for her to have all the things. As long as, you know, her wants don't put her in danger. Uh So, conflict. And I haven't finished yet, but I've started Daring and the Duke, which is Ewan and Grace's story. Right. And there is quite a bit of flashbacks to when they were kids and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I I would imagine you probably get a lot more of all of their backstory in that book.
1: Yeah, it really kind of, at least so far, and again, I'm not finished with it. It's focusing pretty heavily on Ewan and Grace, though. Oh, okay. Um, So maybe, maybe more is revealed about the others
0: later on. Or maybe we're meant to intuit.
1: Maybe, Yeah, my understanding is, like, they lived with the guy who called himself their father for, like, two years. Asshole sperm donor. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of feel like almost two years isn't enough. That's so tricky with some things. Like, how long is long enough for certain behaviors to be created and certain knowledge to be passed on? Because I think even in Wicked and the Wallflower, he knows all about upper crust society and yet he cites yeah. like this thing from when he was a kid. I'm like, you were with him for two years and you were isolated. So how much do you really
0: know? He doesn't. There are several things where he asks Felicity to explain stuff because he doesn't get it. Maybe I'm mixing the stories up. Yeah, he, he thinks he does, but he really doesn't. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's with... There was one of them. Oh, I don't know. That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancebepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or come find us on Twitter at RomanceBeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were
1: you romance by Felicity and Double Story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Issue to the Bride, One Marine, by Cora C. Bye! Bye. like part what we what we read this time. <laughs> yeah, well, is good. We haven't done a lot of character romance yet. We've tis the spice of life. That is I've never read <laughs> Interesting. Well, we're going to get a chance to do it now. <laughs>